I think, especially what happened in the last two years, it just really opened up a new platform, opened up a new discussion on really what happiness means today. And that's why I went, I wanted to go beyond. The future of work isn't about shareholder value, technology, metrics, or automation. It's about being human and putting people first through actionable love. Welcome to the Love in Action podcast, where we hold deep conversations with extraordinary people to help you grow as a leader and expand your business. Here's your host, Marcel Schwantes. Welcome to another episode of the Love in Action podcast, the show where we explore the intersection of business leadership, culture, and practical love, the kind of love that inspires people to flourish and businesses to thrive. Glad you are here. Please share this episode far and wide and help us to spread the Love in Action movement globally. So I'm so excited about today's guest. You know, for over a decade now, as a leadership coach and speaker, I've been a huge fan of the online retail company Zappos. I'm sure that there are scores of you that have already shopped at Zappos, and you should. <laughs> and I've been a big fan for from the business and leadership standpoint for good reason. When you talk about the model example of a company culture that is, is great for people, but also great for making profit, Zappos has done it right since its inception. And a lot of credit for their, their world-class culture goes to their late CEO, Tony Shea. You may recall Tony wrote the bestseller, Delivering Happiness, and he was able to find a way to spread happiness and humanity within Zappos, you know, really embed happiness as a business strategy within Zappos systems and, and, and processes and how leaders led. So it's no surprise that Zappos has been listed in Fortune Magazine's top 100 companies to work for uh, that list for several, several years. So Tony Shea was a he was so passionate about this idea of delivering happiness that he co-founded a company by the same name of his of his book, Delivering Happiness, whose mission is to help organizations all over the world to use the science, the science of happiness to help organizations grow people, profits, and purpose. Now I said Tony Shea co-founded the company Delivering Happiness. Well, the other half of that partnership is his close friend, Jen Lim, who is the CEO of Delivering Happiness. Spreading happiness in individuals and within teams and organizations has been the lifelong mission of Jen Lim. She's dedicated her career to helping organizations globally. Some of the biggest names you can imagine, Starbucks, Sally Mae, and governments and hospitals to build the strategies needed and for benefiting both employees and also the bottom line. So why does this all matter? Pretty simple. The evidence is clear. Happiness leads to less employee turnover, more engagement, greater performance, and higher profits. Well, Jen just launched her new book, Beyond Happiness, How Authentic Leaders Prioritize Purpose and people for growth and impact, which draws from the latest research and practices. And I am geeked up because she is here and she now joins us on the show. Jen, welcome to the Love in Action podcast. 
Thank you so much for having me. Honor to be here. Thank you. Oh, man, this is going to be a blast. So before we dive into your life's work and, and new book, we kind of start with a little bit of a, a grim note, but I want to kick off with a little background on your friendship with Tony Shea. He was beloved by millions. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that was a pretty special relationship, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, short answer. It's definitely, um, you know, it's one of those... Uh, just one of those relationships that you look and uh, look at it and you'll just feel like special. I just feel, uh, you know, how lucky am I to have had that in my life? And so I especially treasure it even more. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah. Would you mind telling us a little bit about the man? Because, you know, we see (laughs) the portrait of the man through scores of media profiles and stories in, 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 in places like Inc and Forbes and entrepreneur, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you who was in the trenches with him. So what was he truly like as a human being? Hmm. Yeah. It's funny because uh, a lot of times it was like, cause people hear his name and hear his background and then there's, you know, probably a little bit of an intimidation factor first time they meet him. And usually the first response is like, I don't think he likes me because, <laughs> because he's so introverted. You know, he's really to himself. He doesn't talk much. So it's uh, the other flip side of that, though, is like he, he's a little socially awkward because he's, like, <laughs> he's he's nothing, you know, offensive to anyone else. And until people get to understand it, then they start relaxing. But he's really, I'd say, um, He's constantly just thinking and ideating and, you know, the crazier the ideas, the better. And he's also just a little kid. (laughs) He was Mm. was just so young at heart, growth mindset kind of thing. But just like through, I would say, empathetic eyes, like he Mm. would be able to connect to a two-year-old in the same way to connect to like an 80 year old to, you know, someone random on the street to a llama, you know, cause he had yeah. a llama. And <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think that's kind of how he operated um, in his own way of, he was just really big on being true to who he was uh, as a person. And that's, I think that's why people resonated with him. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we were talking offline and uh, full disclosure, I was telling you that I think it's important for, listeners to not only get leadership tips. Yes, that's what the no, the show is about leadership and culture and practical love in that sense. But I, I think that it's important for us to understand the mental health aspect of what happens when we are faced with a tragedy like losing a loved one and you lost a loved one. So in, in a you know this is within the middle of you writing your book. I think you mentioned you were like down to Three three months left uh, to publishing or to sending the sending the manuscript uh, back to your publisher, I believe. It was actually five weeks. Five weeks, kind of oh crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So you got the dreaded phone call that Tony had passed. Uh, so mm-hmm. take us back to that moment in time, and mm-hmm. tell us about your grieving and recovery process. I mean, how did you cope with all that? Yeah, I think, uh, and I really love that you're bringing this up because. It's such, I feel, a topic that is undervalued, like Mm. grief, loss, pain, the irony of it all, us co-founding a company called Delivering Happiness and and me being one of the bigger bigger supporters of being very transparent about this and what that process is. So 
when I heard the news, yeah, I had five weeks left and for the book, luckily the publisher gave me a little bit more time. They were very understanding, but all of a sudden the whole process of the book became this bigger processing of what happened Mm. with Tony. And it was this parallel processing of all the things. And, you know, I, that was just my personal experience, but at the same time, I knew everyone in the world had some form of grief or loss during this time of the last almost two years now. So for me, it was kind of a forcing function to really get a sense of what I was trying to say, because I was already along those lines of the book wasn't even named yet, but I already knew that a big part of happiness is not just our highs, but it's also our lows. And that's what I was trying to, you know, kind of flesh out in the book. But of course, not knowing it was going to be one of my biggest lows in my life. So I think the book, uh, I, I would have to say was probably the, one of the hardest things I had to do to try and process and understand his death, untimely death, tragic death, unexpected, and try to convey, you know, why? Why did this happen? Because that was naturally a big question for everyone and in media, you know, they had their own spin on it, but I had to really define and therefore write my own why of processing of it. So, so yeah, I'm, I, to, to be totally honest, I, I'm still yeah. processing, you know, yeah. it's, it's still, still with me and, and you know, going through this book process and writing and tour and all that stuff. I mean, he's still here in some way and I still having that conversation. Mm. Oh, gosh, that's so good. Thank you for, for sharing that the very, very important part of your life. And so, I want I want to extend the conversation to now you and and get our listeners connected intimately with you as 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 far as we can do that over you know a podcast. So mm. who is Jen Lim and what's your story? Yeah, um, you know I, I I'm going to segue to that, but I think there's a big uh, through line in it all. And one thing before we leave that last topic, because I think it's important for, it was really helpful for me in my processing and reading books and all that. But there was a, a quote by Rumi that still sticks with me today, which is, the cure for pain is in the pain. And that wow. wasn't, you know, couldn't be more true. And through all the things that happened to all of us, and especially with Tony's passing, and that kind of segues to my story, because uh, I I wasn't a happy-go-lucky kid at all. You know, I was kind of the cynic. I was a uh, uh, very existential, like you know, what is this all for? You know, um, but it was twenty years ago, about where I went through a similar kind of thing, um, but. You know, just rewind back to the day, the dot com days, late nineties. You know, woohoo! Everyone's partying, have a good time. Money title status was easy. I was like re- relieved as hell because I graduated from Cal with an Asian American Studies degree, and my parents were freaking out. They're like, "What are you gonna do with that? What are you gonna, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> Why did we bust our balls for all this?" <laughs> um, and so I was freaking out. But luckily for me, you know, the internet was born. Silicon Valley was booming. I got an uh, internet consulting job at KPMG, and I was riding high. But um, as we all know, the dot-com busted and I lost everything. I I got laid off. Uh, 9-11 happened. And then I found out that my, and here's the through line, that my dad had stage three colon cancer. And those three things happened in a trifecta that just made me realize I was just 
focused and prioritizing all the wrong things. Mm. The money title status was like, oh yeah, this is how I'm supposed to prove myself in life. And those three things that happened made me just stop my tracks and understand what, what and why I was really doing all this for. So that was when the first time that I realized the, you know, back to that Rumi quote, the pain is in the pain. And I didn't even actually realize I was, I thought I processed my dad's passing in a way that I'm going to live a purposeful life. I'm going to turn my life around and actually prioritize my own values of being independent, of being true to myself, of prioritizing people, not money, child status. And so I was living that life for a while. And that's how I met I became an independent consultant. That's how I met Tony through a mutual friend. He had just become the CEO of Zappos. And so I started doing projects for Zappos. So that's kind of how I started doing really purposeful work in, in trying to understand how you can create organizations with you know a sense of happiness, scientific happiness, positive psychology, and be profitable too. So yeah. that's um, how it all began. Mm, okay, that's a great backdrop. So let's segue to happiness at, at sort of the, let's put some meaning around happiness because people will arrive at different conclusions about the meaning of happiness. So what, what is happiness to Jen Lim? Yeah, so for us, uh, we've always wanted it to, and I've always wanted to base it on the science of. And so like real data, real research. And so because it's so subjective, you know, some people yeah. like thinking rainbows and unicorns, some people are thinking other things. So if I break it down to the definition of, uh, number one is uh, being true to ourselves. So having our inherent disposition and self-awareness of, of us as individuals. The second uh, form of happiness is more on the pleasure side, you know, like, what are you binging on Netflix? What's your happy hour drink tonight? That kind of thing. And then third one, which is actually goes all the way back to Aristotle and Socrates is the humanistic side, which is purpose, very simply. Like, what is it that we're doing that's greater than ourselves? So those, those three things are basically the definition of happiness, a sense of authentic self, pleasures, and having a higher purpose. Mm, okay. So that's, let's dig a little further because I, I love playing around with titles and dissecting titles. So we'll start with the book now, Beyond Happiness. So now we got the definition of happiness. What would you say is beyond happiness? What does that mean? Yeah. So I I think I heard you just mentioned that I didn't come up with that title until the very like, you know, 11th right. hour um, because I was still figuring out like, what, how is this all tied together? And then it just dawned on me one night that that's, where I was going. And for me, beyond happiness was really just challenging the status quo of what happiness means. And like what we said earlier, like this is so subjective. Like I can ask you what your happiness is and someone else on the other side of the world will have a different definition. But I think especially what happened in the last two years, it just really opened up a new platform, opened up a new discussion on really what happiness means today. And that's why I, went, I wanted to go beyond. And so for mm -hmm. me, beyond is incorporating all these things that I talked about. Like I said, the highs and the lows, especially us as leaders, you know, we have our strengths, we know what we bring to the table, but we also have shadow sides. And that goes back into the mental health space and where we are stability-wise, mentally, emotionally, relationally, et cetera. So I really wanted to bring that into the conversation of what happiness means, not just your typical, you know, like rainbows and unicorns. Right. So what's a good example of we all have our shadow sides? What, what would be some of that? I would say that it 
takes a lot of uh, self work. <laughs> we got to yeah. do the work to actually define it for ourselves. But for me, I'll be super transparent. Uh, mm -hmm. I discovered a lot of these shadow sides when I when I started writing the book. All of a sudden, because I had all these things to say, you know, and I had this outline, it was just like going to be so easy. But every single day that we heard something on the news from the, you know, from the pandemic to to social unrest to recession, it brought out a different side of me that I was my uh, there's a book called actually The War of Art, and he calls it resistance. And every single day I had a different resistance and I didn't understand what it was. And it was basically I thought I, I had figured out. But I was I had a fear that I would I did I couldn't do this justice, you know, I couldn't do the book justice, I couldn't do the topic justice. And then eventually with Tony's passing, I couldn't do that. So it was <clears throat> this shadow side of like, why do I what you know, did I go into this thinking with confidence that there was something that could be learned and shared with this, you know, with the world? But every day I woke up with this really huge resistance of I'm not good enough to write this. Yeah. And I wonder how much our inner stories playing in our head are basically our self-talk, right? Negative mm -hmm. self-talk plays a factor in, uh, in, in keeping us from bridging, from basically going over to the other side and, 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 and being happier and more engaging with, with the good and the bad and the ugly, the low points, the high points, right? And mm -hmm. I think what you're speaking to is really authenticity. It's mm -hmm. raising our capacity to to know ourselves really at, at the core of who you are. And sometimes people just don't they don't know the, their true selves. I mean, does that is there yeah. is there some truth to that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's a reason why authentic leaders uh, is in my subtitle. Yeah, it's, you know, exactly. it's, it's not focusing on all the, the 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 positive sides of us. It's important. But when we're authentic and I think now more than ever is an expectation of people that we work with and um, our, you know, our communities, our families and friends, it's to bring that authentic self. And that's where that's where the work needs to be done for, yeah. for ourselves. All right, Brent. What we thought, you mentioned the pandemic already. Let's let's throw that into the conversation. I mean, yeah. What did you see once the pandemic hit? Uh, did it affect uh, how we were able to connect and and maybe relate to each other and raise our happiness? Did it lower our happiness? Mm. And, and and now here we are, kind of post pandemic, but you know, it's still we get we get variants that are yeah. going to be coming. So it's not, we're never past it, I think, mm -hmm. but how, how has that changed how, you know, how we should approach business? Yeah, I think uh, when it initially hit, uh, I mean, our company is called Delivering Happiness, but uh, no one wanted to touch the word happiness with a 10 foot pole. They're like, what do you, you know, there's no way we can talk about happiness right now. And I was like, uh, it's true. We're, it's, you know, let's, let's, let's be real. Part of being authentically happy is realizing there are those highs and lows. What was really interesting to me is that, and this is still happening now, is that I've been talking to like from sea levels to, to frontliners, they're coming to me and asking, what does happiness even mean anymore? Like, mm. I don't even know how to define it for myself anymore. Like that, that, that sense of wonderment and bewilderment. It's like, how can we even think about happiness at this time, uh, especially after all the things we went through? So I think that was the biggest change that I've seen people wanting to revisit and the irony of me calling it beyond happiness is like wanting to revisit this new conversation of redefining what happiness means for ourselves. And I think we've seen, um, you know, on the more positive side of it, 
we've heard this, the, the great resignation is, keeps on happening. Millions of people leaving their jobs every month, which is insane. We're still in a recession, but yeah. I think it's also a great awakening to yeah. what really we're trying to define for ourselves. You know, how can we wake up in the morning and say, this is what I'm going to do and how I can feel purposeful throughout the whole day and look back when I go to sleep that I, I lived a purposeful life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to get into the application part of, of beyond happiness, you know, so we can improve our work and our, our leadership, but also our personal lives. Um, and I want to ask you to get into the stories of companies that are, that are doing it, that they're making happiness happen and seeing great business outcomes. Maybe there's a two-part question there, like the company side and then mm -hmm. the personal side, the personal story side. So Jen and I are going to do that after a quick break. Hang tight. Hey, leaders and managers, Marcel here. You probably already know this if you've been following the show. The question comes up often. What's the purpose of this show? What's the why behind love and action? Well, the simple answer we need to eliminate suffering in the workplace and help leaders to flourish. Because when we have good leaders in place, the people under their care also flourish. That is really good for business. And by the way, as an extension of the podcast, I launched a leadership development course. It's got a catchy name. Check it out on my website. It's called From Boss to Leader. And in this course, I teach the skills that you often hear on the show. Things like how to communicate more effectively, how to engage your employees to put out their best effort, and how to build a high-performing organization. So check it out. I'm taking calls right now, and I'd love to personally chat with you to see if this course may be a good fit. Reach me on my website, marcelschwantes.com and click on virtual training. Okay, so what is a great example of a company that, you know, prioritizes happiness and humanity and, and they're thriving because of it? Yeah, there's, uh, there's been so many and that's why, yeah, I was so excited to write this book because uh, at the beginning, people were like, oh, that's great for Zappos. I would never be able to do it in my place, my company. But then it's like, nope, <laughs> you can. And one that really comes to mind and, and took it to the next level uh, is actually a company in Egypt. And half of our uh, clients are actually international, which is pretty amazing to hear and see that you know happiness is truly universal <laughs> in, yeah. in a good way. Um, so they're called DMG slash Mountain View, and essentially they're a real estate and construction company, architecture firm. And they called us up and wanted to implement, you know, these universal principles of happiness. And so we started working with them and they thought it was like more of like, oh, this is like a culture box that we're you know, going to check off and, and you know, go on to the next thing. But then they realized it was more than that. And they saw the impact that it had on their teams, you know, their organization, how people just showed up. They were more productive. They were more engaged. And they realized their own higher purpose, which wasn't just trying to be more profitable by making more buildings and, you know, uh, develop, developing more projects. They realized that their purpose was to it, ripple out this impact and ripple out this happiness to others, their customers, their community, et cetera. So 
number one, what they did was this, you know, they're a construction company. So they redesigned their whole headquarters and developed it right all around these principles of core values, their core values, their principles of happiness. So there was like places where you can go to meditate, places where you can go exercise, places where you can just be yourself, you know, just by yourself. And that was awesome to see because it's a physical space. And then they decided to do it for their customers. So they redesigned their architecture and, um, well, basically the, the real estate plans of how to develop communities. So they wanted their customers to be happier too. So it's so cool to see that ripple of like, hey, we can't, you know, happiness, we can't contain this. We have to make this, you know, available for everyone. And then they took it even a step further and decided to create DH Egypt, essentially delivering happiness Egypt and do it for other companies. So just seeing how that rippled out of like what they benefited from, they wanted to make sure everyone else, and now they're doing it for their whole like you know community and country, which really blew my mind. So they're basically teaching the principles of deliver of that you will actually teach companies. They wanted to replicate that elsewhere yeah. around yeah. their sphere. Right. Yeah, because they realized that, that was their purpose. You know, there's like we, yeah. we can't contain this, and that's the beauty of what uh, I've been seeing. You know, like once you actually really embed these things within your life and s- see how much the difference is in your yeah. days, and then for companies, uh, you just really want to be able to do it for others too. Okay, so you mentioned universal principles, and I I know that it's it's subjective, mm. but. Can you throw out some some of those principles that at least as a starting point for you know for organizational say you want to rebrand your culture or 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 start from scratch? Sure. Yeah. So we call them levers. And this goes back to like the backstory of it all is like there's been a lot of different, you know, academic research based on what true sustainable happiness is. And these are the levers that consistently came out in all these studies. And one of them is uh, a lever of control or autonomy. So making sure our people, our teams feel a sense like, hey, I'm trusted to make these decisions because I'm trusted to do my job right. Mm -hmm. That engages people, that gives productivity higher, and they're more loyal. The second thing, the second lever is progress. So essentially making sure they feel like they're growing and developing throughout, you know, whether even it's like a huge long ass project, just make sure you celebrate the milestones along the way. People get more engaged that way and happier in the end. The third thing is, of course, relationships and meaningful connections. And we know now more than ever how important that is. So it's beyond going, uh, you know, talking about the, the Netflix show or, you know, talking about your happy hour drink. It is about how we connect as human beings from the more purpose and values uh, levels deeper. And then the last one is, as I've been mentioning, the most sustainable form of happiness is purpose. So when you put and you think about these different levers, all of us as leaders can embed these things in our systems and know that if we give people more autonomy, we give people more sense of progress and connectedness and essentially a higher purpose that they align their personal purpose to, that's when the magic happens. Mm, love it. Okay. So Tony talked about this idea of uh, building our greenhouses. Mm-hmm. Define what it is at first and then explain why tending to our greenhouses is so important. Yeah, this one's, uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's talked about this for quite a while now. And I, this is actually part of my processing after he passed because Tony used to talk about as leaders, one of our roles is to grow other greenhouses and 
not be the tallest tree, not be the tallest plant. That's not the point of us being a leader. And, you know, that totally makes sense. Uh, what I had to process during the book was that we're not necessarily the best attending our own greenhouse at the same time. It's the whole metaphor of, you know, the oxygen mask coming on from the airplane and yeah. maybe because we don't fly as much anymore, we forget, but it really is true. It's so counterintuitive, you know, because us as leaders, we want to help others, help others, help, help them grow. But we oftentimes forget to nurture our greenhouse first. So that's right. what I added to the whole metaphor is like, as you're growing other, screen, other greenhouses, we have to do the work on ourselves to understand how best it is that we can nurture our own too. Yeah. And I mean, you did that quite well after his passing. Uh, you worked on your own greenhouse and uh, we can't neglect our own self-care, right? I mean, uh, to grow as leaders uh, before we grow others, we got to grow ourselves too. So right. I'm, oh, I'm still working on it too. So. <laughs> we all are. Uh, me too. <laughs> me too. Yeah. All right. So for people that are, you know, we're in 2022 now and uh, as leaders, as we uh, think about designing our cultures and engaging our employees. What do you think the path forward is to working beyond happiness? Mm. I think there's going to be, I mean, we're already seeing it already, you know, like, as I mentioned earlier, this whole great resignation, people are trying to understand why it's happening. And sometimes it's like, well, I need more flexible hours or I need, uh, you know, I want higher pay. And those are things that are extrinsic and important. But one of the other reasons why it's happening is because, they're not having a sense of purpose. There's no you know, connection to what the company is doing. And so I think that's going to be a bigger trend that we as organizations and leaders of it need to not just have lip service about it, you know, like, oh, we have a purpose and we're doing this and this, you know, that's great to have the mission statement on the wall, but what does it actually mean yeah. on a day-to-day basis? And how can we actually as leaders connect it so that everyone's showing up that day even if it's in Zoomland, everyone showing up does feel that, hey, I'm actually respected as my whole person, my own values and my purpose are aligned with that of the companies, not because they're paying me and I'm like, I have to live by their values and purpose, but because they respect me for living mine. Mm, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's so funny that you mentioned this as a, this is a trend that I see now evolving all over the place. I mean, even my clients come to me and say, okay, help us to know how to bring more purpose to the organization. And my first question is, well, are you aligning your values to the values of those people that work with you, with them? And a lot of times they don't even know what their values are, Jen, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's, it, it's great that you mentioned that it's leaders speaking into um, attaching meaning and purpose to people's work, helping them understand, like you said, the why, behind mm-hmm. what they do. Uh, you know, Adam Grant has so much research as well on that, that, that just raises our, our employee, the, the employee experience is, goes way up uh, once mm-hmm. we understand, ah, yeah, this is how the work that I do is linked to company success, to the mission, to mm-hmm. even the bottom line, right? So yeah, yeah it's oh, fantastic. All right. Well, I want to make sure that before we wind down and come, come to a close uh, that, uh, there's maybe a question that I miss asking. So looking back, is there something that you want to bring up, a question that that you feel uh, uh, should have been raised but didn't? Um, I'd say that, I mean, sometimes 
I guess this is more of a reminder that sometimes it sounds so daunting, right? To, well, I have to define my purpose, you know, I have to define my values. Like, what is that even, you know, and some people just say, oh, it's a no brainer. Of course I want to do it. I would just say to make sure that people, including ourselves, don't feel like it's going to be set in stone. Like this is what's going to be in our tombstone one day because it's an ever, ever evolving purpose. Our values keep on getting reprioritized on, a, you know, as our, as our lives uh, as we evolve in our own lives. So I guess that would be just more of a reminder. Like it, I would just not take this as, um, you know, a, a big set of tasks to do and a huge overhaul of my culture. And like, I got to worry about my, uh, like my more immediate you know, priorities first. And, and the reality is that this is the priority. Uh, people are waking up and saying, why am I doing what I'm doing? And how am I going to make this, you know, my time worth it? So mm it's that much more important to invest our time up front to be able to connect those dots and make it feel that it is part of how we're going to grow and adapt in this you know crazy world. <laughs> it's changing yeah. every day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jen, we bringing the conversation home with two questions and, you know, the first question, it, it, I, our guests have no, no problems answering because this show is indicative in the kind of guests that we have here. They have no issues getting into their heart, being authentic, being real. Uh, and even you're already, you, you've already been so transparent and vulnerable with us. Um, and, uh, and we so appreciate it. It's something that we need to model more and more. So the first question is personally, what's really tugging at your heart right now that you would like us to know? I think this is like fresh in my head and heart, uh, just because I, I I've been on you know slew of podcasts for the launch of the book and whatnot. But uh, there was one conversation I was having, and he was asking about purpose, and the way he framed it for me is still tugging on my heart. And basically, he said, "What you're telling me and what I'm sensing from you is that purpose is really healing your pain," and I hadn't thought about it that way because i've been like after my dad passed i've been living this purposeful life and 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 you know doing purposeful work that i felt so good about but i hadn't connected that dot that it has actually been helping me heal yeah finally you get to bring us home with a closing remark that you know that one key takeaway to keep it inspired yeah, I, I would just challenge everyone, just take a moment because this stuff is not rocket science, but it is like some of the most important, easy stuff we ever do in our lives. Uh, take one moment just to reflect on your own highs and lows and what we can learn from that, what you can learn from that, uh, the themes, uh, the, the values that that we can draw from that. And then ask yourself, like, what would be the one thing you could do differently to nurture your own greenhouse as you're growing others? The book, again, is called Beyond Happiness, How Authentic Leaders Prioritize Purpose and People for Growth and Impact. She is Jen Lim. And Jen, if you want uh, people want to connect with you, where can they go? Yeah, so there's uh, uh, we just launched the website, jenlim.com, J-E-N-N-L-I-M.com. We still have deliveringhappiness.com. And on social, if you want to reach out, it's at by B-Y, Jen Lim. It's, I said it was going to be a blast at the beginning, but uh, it, this conversation exceeded my expectations. We've been real. We've been forthright and honest. We've looked back at some of our, our own issues and our need to develop ourselves as individuals. Look at, look at our, we have to kind of look at our shit and, <laughs> and, and you know, and clean it up. Totally agree. Um, 
And uh, and so I am I'm just honored and uh, blessed by uh, having uh, spoken with you today. Thanks for joining us. Likewise, Bernasal. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Love in Action podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it, subscribe, and leave us a review. Until next time, don't forget, the future of leadership is love in action. Believe it, practice it, and watch your business grow.